Welcome to the Rafiki Foundation podcast. Hi, I'm Karen Elliott, and I'm your host. I'm the executive director for the Rafiki Foundation. And on this podcast, we discuss all things classical, Christian, missional, and African. On today's podcast, I want to answer the question, why should we be serving, working on the continent of Africa? In my years of serving as a missionary and now as the executive director of Rafiki, I get the question, well, why are you guys working over there? Isn't there enough to do here in America? Now, I would agree. There are things to do here on the continent in, in, in America and other places. In fact, I support work in other parts of the world. But there are unique needs and unique opportunities in Africa. And there's a unique historical time here in, the, in Africa uh, that I think makes it worthy of our particular attention. So I'm going to address some of those factors in this podcast today. You'll get some facts and figures, so stay tuned on that. But I also want to take a minute and uh, tell you a little bit about the musical intro piece that I've chosen for the podcast. Some of you have asked about that piece, and it's called, uh, it comes from the 40 to 50 second or maybe two minute excerpt, comes from Dan Forrest's Jubilate Deo. It's a beautiful choral piece uh, with about seven uh, movements, you might say, or settings in seven different languages, drawing from a, a broad spectrum of musical influences. It uses, of course, Psalm 100 and sets it to a globe, makes it a, a, a kind of a global uh, setting. And you'll hear that as you, if you listen to the whole thing. Psalm 100 is, of course, O be joyful in the Lord, all ye lands. I chose this because it really reflects what we're trying to do in Rafiki. We are certainly attempting to establish classical Christian education in Africa. We have our own Bible study, and we have our own classical Christian curriculum. We're working with the church, and we're working with schools to help them implement this uh, in, in their various schools. Um, but but we, we would hope that this would go global. And we think that classical Christian education is simply the best education for a human being. And so because I think we think it could go global, uh, I chose this Jubilate Deo, which has a global setting to it. So each movement combines some characteristics of the language group's musical culture, along with the composer's own musical language. So you have in this piece, you'll hear liturgical Latin. You'll also hear Hebrew and Arabic. Then there'll be, a, there's a movement with Mandarin Chinese and the, the musical music feels, the rhythms, the instruments uh, is resonates with, for example, Asia. You have Zulu, you have the Zulu language. And so you will hear African beats and African instruments in that movement. There's Spanish, and then there's the untexted uh, song of the earth. The closing movement of this combines all the languages or several of the languages along with English. And it finishes off with Omnes Terra Jubilate. That's the segment the uh, the measures before the singing of Omnis Terra are the is the instrumental portion I chose for this because again we believe that classical Christian education 
can go around the world, and we're eager to be a part of that. Uh, you, the the uh, selection you are hearing was, of course, again, written by Dan Forrest, fabulous choral composer, and also performed by River Tree Singers, and uh, Hint Shaw is the music publisher. And I thank all of them for permission to use this beautiful short excerpt and listen to the rest of it uh, on my podcast. Now, Africa. Why should you care about the continent of Africa? I'm just going to start with my own story. Uh, when a 32-year-old single woman packed up and left for the mission field in Africa, she walked away from a host of opportunities and comforts, marriage, children, financial security, and of course, Diet Coke. That's kind of my story. I did walk away from Diet Coke, but not for long, because when I landed in Africa, within a couple of days, I managed to find some Diet Coke. So let me ask you the question. So what would would possess a person to leave everything they know and all the comforts to go to Africa? And and why would other people, missionaries and uh, and others, go serve in the continent of Africa? The reasons why I left to go serve in Africa 32 years ago and why we are still serving there today is there's a huge disparity uh, between, of physical and spiritual resources between the developed West and the underdeveloped uh, rest of the, of the world, particularly the continent of Africa. And there are needs in the United States, I would say that. In fact, Rafiki is hoping to start a classical Christian school right here in Eustis, Florida, where we are headquartered. More about that later. Uh, and there are needs in other parts of the world. The needs are staggering on the continent of Africa. Now, you may be saying to yourself, really? Is that true? Hasn't Africa been reached with the gospel? In fact, isn't the global south the center of Christianity? Well, there's some truth to that, but there's some needs there. Um, and, and haven't we spent enough money and effort in Africa? I mean, what about that book, When Helping Hurts? And that's true. There's been a tremendous amount of poorly done aid on the continent. And I'm not talking about any specific group here, uh, but we all can recognize there has been some, as one author said, dead aid. So in some respects, yes, the continent has been churched and helped in many ways. And um, it's not all bad news in the continent of Africa. There is a there is a, an emerging middle class. There's innovation. Um, there is good news on the continent of Africa, but still there are challenges and there's potential. And I think classical Christian education is one of the most strategic things we can do along in the continent of Africa, along with our brethren in the church in Africa. First of all, why should we care about the African continent? Well, one, number one, we should care because it's biblical to care for the poor. It's biblical to care for the poor. And no matter how you slice it, materially, there's a large swath of the population on the continent of Africa that is materially poor. Um, Africa is home to, some, to the largest population of poor people in the world. Uh, recent statistics note that 17 of the 20 poorest countries in the world are in Africa. You know, the Bible is pretty clear about this. In uh, Deuteronomy 15, uh, 10 through 11, 
the Bible says, for there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. First John 3 verses 17 through 18 says this, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So the Bible does give us clear direction about coming alongside and helping our brethren who have material needs. And the continent of Africa has some of the largest material needs. In fact, let me give you some statistics here. People always complain that I I have too many statistics, but I think I will give you a few. When you look at the GDP per person per year across the 10 Rafiki countries, so we're in 10 countries in Africa. Look it up at our website. You can see which ones we're in. Those 10 countries combined have about 550 million people in them. So it's a large population if you add up all 10 countries. And if you add up the gross domestic product of those 10 countries um, and divide by those number, the number of people for a year, the per capita GDP is less than $2,000 per year, per person. What is that same number in America? Well, it ranges between, I think, fifty-five dollars and $60,000. So you tell me. That's a almost 25 to 30 times the amount of resources in America than is available in Africa or produced in Africa on a per-person basis. So definitely, we should be concerned based on material needs. The other thing, the other startling comparison I will give you is this. If you add up the gross domestic product of nine of our 10 Rafiki countries, nine of the 10, Walmart generates more revenues per year than those nine countries combined. In some cases in the continent of Africa, it has been noted that in some of these countries, 70% of the youth, of the African youth, live uh, on the internationally defined poverty threshold, which is less than $2 per day. So we definitely should be concerned about the continent of Africa because of the material needs. But you're like, okay, I get that. But you know what? They're able to survive pretty well. And by by the way, hasn't uh, Africa already been reached by the gospel? Again, the global South is there. Uh, many many churches. Uh, we ha- the, some of the denominations that Rafiki partners with. We partner with twenty three African denominations, and uh, we partner with the Anglicans, for example, and the the Lutherans and the Presbyterians. And you have large Anglican denominations. Uh, The Church of Uganda, for example, has 12 million members. The uh, Lutheran Church of Tanzania has over 7 million members. The Reformed Church of Zambia has about 1.5 million members. And so uh, they're large churches uh, growing quickly. Christianity has grown very quickly on the continent of Africa. And so you say, yes, there are needs 
But aren't there plenty of churches with huge congregations? Well, let me just say something. Jesus calls us to make disciples, not not just converts. If you read the Great Commission, the Lord says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And I have shortened that, so there's some, some things missing, but I just wanted to highlight the making disciples and observing all that I've commanded you, Jesus said. In a February 2014 World Magazine um, article, they published a section on the threat of Islam in Africa. When describing the challenge facing the church, it was reported uh, by Africans that a deep Christianity can readily deal with Islamic threats. But Christian leaders, these are African Christian leaders, themselves acknowledge that a continent-wide belief is often only a centimeter deep. You know, in 1998, it was reported that Christianity in Africa was a thousand miles wide and an inch deep. And now people, Africans themselves, are saying, well, it's a thousand miles wide, but now a centimeter deep. Now you can do the math. A centimeter is smaller than an inch. So it's spreading fast, but there are some challenges within the church in Africa. And I think a classical Christian education can help raise the next generation of Christians who will think rightly about God and have hearts, a heart and a mind for the Lord. So what's the root problem of some of these challenges in the church? First of all, prosperity gospels rampant rise. The prosperity gospel has just skyrocketed in terms of its influence in the last 30 years. A 2006 Pew Forum report found that 70% of Kenyans who identify as Christian follow extreme charismatic or Pentecostal teaching. One quote from one of our church leaders said this, church planting is a business here, and men with zero training and biblical knowledge enter the field in the hope of acquiring income from unfortunately gullible people looking for a blessing to have their problems fixed. That was from one church leader uh, stating about church planting. It's a business here. These false teachers are going after gullible men and women uh, who have problems and are desperate and taking advantage of them. In the same survey by the Pew Forum, 92% of Nigerian Christians South African Christian, 90% of South African Christians and 85% of Kenyan Christians agreed that wealth and material blessings are based on one's faith. So there's a skewed view of the gospel. There's a false gospel floating around out there and that has taken hold with the prosperity gospel. Second problem, scarcity of pastors trained with sound biblical theology. So not only do you have the prosperity gospel challenge, but now you have pastors who are not well-trained and don't have access to materials. One Anglican bishop told me recently that he had 80 congregations, but only 60 pastors. In some of the churches, denominations we work with, they'll have one ordained pastor for 10 congregations. And so the leadership of those congregations that don't have an ordained pastor 
uh, is, is maintained by men or women who perhaps only have six months of training. Um, and so that leaves the church vulnerable to false teaching. Pastor Conrad Mbewe, who is a Zambian pastor and is known as the Spurgeon of Africa, spoke at a strange fire conference in Southern California in October of 2013. After describing what he sees taking place in the church in Africa, he summarized it this way. He said, there's a Protestant church on every corner, but the evangelical faith is totally absent. Churches have become dens of iniquity, is what he said. And so the I will say that there has been an improvement since 2013, because that's nine years ago. There is a uh, a, a strong increase in churches teaching sound theology, pastor training. Um, these things are on the increase, but much more needs to be done. Now, Rafiki's not training pastors. We're not running seminaries. We're not planting churches. But the way we can help in this is to help the church and Christians establish their classical Christian schools for the next generation of Africa and the next generation of the world. One last thing I'll mention here about pastors and training is they have limited access to theologically sound uh, materials. In many of our 10 countries, the ability to find sound study Bibles is limited. And if a pastor can find it, it could cost him up to one month's salary. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you spent a whole month's salary on a study Bible? Rafiki has been working along with the Rosemary Jensen Bible Foundation, Ligonier Ministries, and Crossway to help send out thousands and thousands of Reformation study Bibles, ESV systematic theology Bibles, children's Bibles. I think we're up to 80,000 Bibles now that have been distributed through 10 countries to seminaries, pastors, and to children. And we're not stopping there because we see that the Word of God, which is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, the Word of God, the study of the Word of God is key to the making of disciples. And that's what the Great Commission is, uh, it, it talks about. So um, <clears throat> there's a need for this and a continued growth in this because they don't have access to other materials, commentaries, and so on and so forth, and Bible study materials, which is a key component of what we're doing in Rafiki. The other threat besides the theological famine, which is uh, a phrase I think uh, the Gospel Coalition has, um, has coined, and I love that. It's a theological famine. In addition to that, you have... Uh, a rise in uh, the threat of Islam, the rise of Islam in Africa. One of the things you might be saying to yourself, well, you know, the real thing we need to do is go and reach the unreached. And I agree with that. I support missions and ministries that are sending teams to reach the unreached. But I would also make this case. If you have a concern for the unreached, first of all, there are unreached groups in Africa still, which the African church is trying to reach. And so to support the church in Africa helps to indirectly support missions work to the unreached in Africa. But I will also say this, 
If you've kept up with the news on the continent of Africa, you've got two major ideological and in one case, religious movements moving into the continent swiftly. You have China and you have Islam. And the Chinese are in all 10 of the African countries in which Rafiki serves. And so if you're interested in perhaps helping reach the Chinese with the gospel, you don't necessarily have to go to Shanghai or Beijing. And you can go to the continent of Africa, help strengthen the church in Africa, and um, and there it is. You, it is still legal. You are free to preach the gospel and proselytize without any hindrance. The same is true for the Muslims. Um, Nigeria has more Muslims uh, than many countries in the Middle East. So, uh, if you want to reach Muslims, there is a great way to do that on the continent of Africa. It's still you can still preach the gospel without fear of being put in in jail. Now, you might get killed, but you can still preach the gospel legally in in all 10 of the countries in which we're in. Now, you're saying here, look, what what does this have to do with Rafiki? Karen, you're talking about mission work. What does this have to do with Rafiki? Well, let me just tell you what, what I think about this, about a solution to this challenge. Many people would understand that next to the gospel, education is an, is, a, is an essential component in helping people rise out of poverty. The benefits of education and of useful knowledge generally diffused through a community are essential to the preservation of free government. That was Sam Houston, 1793. The benefits of education and of useful knowledge generally diffused through a community are essential to the preservation of a free government. And in order to have a free government, in order to have a flourishing society, uh, from Plato to Aristotle, they would all agree that education, and particularly a liberal arts education, is key uh, for a free and functioning society, and also for a flourishing one. And so education, which is what we are doing, uh, will help with the material aspect of the challenge. Why education? What are the needs in education in Africa? They're great. There, were, there are nearly 90 million 12 to 24-year-old children in Africa that do not attend school in sub-Saharan Africa. That compares to maybe 1.7 million children in the U.S. Huge number of children not even getting schooled. In the government schools, you will often see 50 to 60 children in one classroom taught by a teacher who may or may not be able to pass a fifth grade exam. Church schools have similar challenges, and while free to teach the Bible, they don't have Bibles or Bible training. The Bible tells us to tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord. What we hope to do in Rafiki is help to bring this new education system to the continent, and we're already seeing it happening within the church and within private schools helping to give a new paradigm, a new view for education using the classical Christian education model. The potential in Africa is amazing. Did you know this? In the next 30 years, one out of every two human beings will be born on the continent of Africa. That's right. According to the, according to the United Nations, in the next 30 years, one out of every two, toddlers 
to teenagers will be on the continent of Africa. One-fourth of the world's population will be there. With the next generation of the world growing up in the continent of Africa, wouldn't education be a good investment? And wouldn't classical Christian education be the best strategy and best investment? We think so. We think it's the best solution for this crisis in education on the continent of Africa and the crisis around the world, actually. In addition to that, many people are saying that on the continent of Africa, you have basically the future of the church. When you have over 500 million church members on the continent of Africa and um, many large African denominations that are quite vigorous, and you have many who are strong in their faith and standing firm, but with the incursion of Islam, prosperity theology, and the Chinese, and the ideology, and the religion, and the false teaching, with the incursion of those ideas coming with money and people, it can whittle away at the church. So the question is not, is there a church in Africa? Will there be a church in Africa? The question is, what kind of church will it be? So we see classical Christian education as a great answer to this. Um, we hope that by God's grace, as we deploy this K through 12 Christian and classical education system and Bible study across 10 African countries, first through our 10 Rafiki villages and 23 African partner denominations, we hope to impact a thousand schools or more with this educational paradigm. By God's grace, we could perhaps reach millions of young people with God's word, his works, the wonder for God and in God. You know, the Lord has also given to Rafiki a college-level teacher training program that will help instill in teachers a heart for God and a lifelong love of learning that will equip them to teach the next generation of Africa's church and national leaders with excellence and integrity. So this is why we care about Africa. It's basically the future of the church. It's the future generation of the world. There's huge potential. There's development happening. There's innovation happening. There are great financial needs. And we have tremendous opportunities through Rafiki and many other organizations uh, to help impact the continent. So I would encourage you to check out our website. Think about joining us in this movement. We're seeing great interest in this classical Christian education. Parents in Kenya are buying our curriculum for homeschooling. W individuals, we have one, uh, one lady, one woman who had started a Montessori school several years ago. She was looking for a Christian school, however, to put her child in. She put her child in the Rafiki school in Kenya. And after a year, she decided to stop doing Montessori. Sorry, this is not a commercial against Montessori. I'm just telling the story. So she just decided, she, so she decided, I want to do a classical Christian school. And so she has. She started up her own classical Christian school educating children in her community. We have another woman in Uganda who also has started her own classical Christian school. She spent one year in our teacher training program. Her name is Catherine. And um, then sold land, refurbished her house, and now has a school of 60, 70 children 
using our Rafiki Classical Christian curriculum. There's a school in Jos, Nigeria, just down the road from us, again, started by uh, individuals who wanted a classical Christian education called Reformation Wall. There are, there are 31 schools using some of our curriculum at this point, and we've shipped, up enough, shipped out enough material for 75 schools next year. God has given us the materials. We've worked 20 years developing our classical Christian curriculum and nine years developing the Rafiki Bible study. And with that whole set of material, plus our printing press and our teacher training and our shipping abilities, we hope to cover the continent with classical Christian education. You can help join us in this movement by sponsoring a child to one of our schools. We have over 3,200 children in need um, children who are marginalized, who come to our Rafiki Classical Christian schools every day. They're all on scholarship. They get two meals a day, Bible study, extracurricular activities. Some get, take violin lessons, piano lessons. They engage in sports. They get logic and rhetoric. Uh, soon we hope to be teaching some Latin. They get music and art. But they also receive um, content that is true, beautiful, and good from their own culture. They read Wole Shoyunke. They read Ngogi Wathiongo. They read Chinwa Chebe. They know about beautiful African art and design, African history, uh, authors, music. We do our best to incorporate whatever is true, good, and beautiful from the continent. But we're going to go deeper and farther with this as this movement develops as we graduate young African men and women from our schools who will go on to unearth what is true, good, and beautiful and enter, robustly enter the great conversation uh, in, of the world. I mean, how can you enter the great conversation if you don't know what they're talking about? So we hope to bring that to the continent of Africa along with our partnerships with the African church and the African government's and African proprietors, teachers, uh, parents throughout the whole continent. So join us in this. Check us out on our website. I'm Karen Elliott, and enjoy the music. Look up Dan Forrest, Jubilate Deo, and finish off your day listening to that. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next podcast. <music>